You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about ball control, the significance of ball control, why every player on your team should be training for it, and we're going to talk about how to train it. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 124 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Oh, we had a busy day today. It's a busy week, actually. Uh, I had my coach's workshop, uh, the first session Tonight, um, where the topic was how to really create a winning program through being a more efficient coach. And I was teaching our coaches on this free training how to, you know, be more efficient in their training, how to, uh, you know, increase player development, um, better tryouts, better practices. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you guys for coming out to the free workshop tonight. And if you, uh, there's still two days left. There is, if you're listening to this, you know, the 23rd or 24th of October, there's still two sessions left. We have today um, and tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And if you heard in the preamble before, again, if you're listening to this, the week of October 23rd to 27th, and you're going to know Digital Volleyball Academy is currently open. This is going to be the last time we're going to be taking people in for 20, this is the last time that it's going to be open to the public for 2022 so really excited about bringing in the last group of coaches in and getting a chance to work with them and yeah i'm I'm excited um but for those of you that don't know me my name is coach brian singh and i'm the host of the podcast thank you so much for tuning in and if you are a regular listener as always you know much i appreciate you tuning into another episode of the volleyball by design podcast where the goal just like every other episode is to deliver something of value something tangible that you can take back to your team and apply right away And I'm so excited to jump into today's topic with you, and that is ball control. Now, ironically, I actually did a live training on this inside DVA, did it tonight. So if you are a DVA member and you want access to this training, just log into Digital Volleyball Academy, get inside the coaching call replays, and you're going to be able to see this. And on the live training, I went. it was a 30-minute live training, and I went deep into ball control. Um, But on this podcast, I'm just going to talk about three specific areas of ball control that are important that I think if you implement them and you start doing them right away and you start paying attention to these things, you're going to see success with your team and ball control. And if you are not a member of DVA and you'd like to get access to this live training in addition to hundreds of other trainings and coaching and all the things that we have inside DVA... Go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and get registered. And if you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, well, it's something I'm super proud of. Two and a half years ago, I created this academy for volleyball coaches. It's a mentorship program where you get access to all my resources, all the courses, and I've created a lot of courses on the skills of our game, on the positions of our game. I've created resources for you to help you in your growth as a coach. 
I provide a community of coaches who are going along the same journey as you are. So you can reach out, you can get help from other coaches, you can post questions in our community and get answers. I provide one-on-one support when you need it because everyone's different in their volleyball journey. Everyone has different questions and you may need some answers. Well, I have that support for you. As well as we jump on coaching calls twice a month where we engage in live training and Q&A to help you become a better coach and grow at a much faster clip. So DVA is a place to be if you're a volleyball coach. And just go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com, get registered, and excited to see you in there. So let's get started about today's episode, huh? So we're going to talk about ball control. Now, the first thing that um, I do want to mention, and I mentioned it on the pod uh, way back when, was this principle called the adaptation principle. Now, this principle was made aware to me by a guy named Dan Lewis, who you're going to get a chance to hear from him on the pod in the upcoming weeks. And he is one of the greatest volleyball minds in our country. This guy is phenomenal. And this is what the adaptation principle is. And I'm going to summarize it for you because there's a lot. But basically, it says that if you the repetitive practice of a skill induces an adaptation so that performance executing tasks are created. So what that means is if you repeat a skill over and over and over again, you be, you're adapting yourself to that skill. And the more you do it, the better performance you're going to have at that skill. Now you're going to say, wait a minute, of course, we all know that, right? Repetition is the mother of all skill. But then it continues by going on by saying, the adaptation process or the adaption process is not activated unless the stimulus, which is the training task or and load, reaches the minimal intensity zone and duration required. So that means that you're you adapting to the skill, the adaption process of the skill is not going to be activated until you reach some kind of minimal intensity zone as well as a minimum duration that's required. So for example, if you want to be the best passing team in the league and that is something that you want to adapt as a habit, as something your team is known for, something you're, you, you want to be able to have an identity of we're going to be the best passing team in the league. And you only work at that pa- at passing for the first three to four weeks of the season and then taper off a little bit and start working on other things and don't really focus on the pass anymore. Well, you may have reached the minimal intensity zone at the beginning, but the duration wasn't long enough. And then the principle goes on by saying, it must also be repeated often enough. All adaptions, all adaptations to training have a temporary effect. They decrease as soon as the stimulus is too weak or if it is applied at an insufficient frequency. I'm going to repeat that again, okay? It's really important. Take, listen to this. It must also be repeated often enough. All adaptations to training have a temporary effect. So they decrease as soon as the stimulus is too weak or if it is applied at an insufficient frequency. What that means is that if you work on passing for three weeks and don't touch it again for a long time, like when I say touch it again, I mean intentionally work on passing, then the skill performance is only going to be temporary. It's going gonna, it's gonna to decrease. The ins, it's an insufficient frequency, as the principal calls it. So ask yourselves, coaches, regardless of what the skill is, 
if you're trying to improve serving, you want your team to be the best serving team, how much time are you dedicating to serving? Are you making sure it's implemented in every practice so that we can continue with that frequency, that high frequency of developing the skill? And I'm completely guilty of this too. I'm when, when it comes to certain things I want to get better at, I'll do it, you know, one or two practices and then we'll move on to something else sometimes and I forget. And that's why that particular skill isn't great. Now, I like to pride myself in having a great passing team because we work on it really, really hard in practice, especially the off season. And I think for the most part we do. And that's something that I continue to push and make sure they, and make sure I'm doing it with intention. That keep, that, I keep saying this thing, intention. There's a reason I talk about being intentional about your skill training. We're going we're gonna to come to that in a sec. So this principle is pretty amazing. And I like to use the example of Steph Curry. Um, for those who don't know, Steph Curry is one of the best three-point shooters in the world, if not the best three-point shooter of all time. He's a basketball player with the Golden State Warriors. And it is said by many people that he's the best shooter of all time. He has the most three-point shots made in the history of the NBA. Um, And he always is, I I don't have the stat in front of me, but he's always leading the league in three-point field goals made. So why is he so good? Did he train really, really hard as a young kid and continue to train? And when he got into the league, he kind of tapered off and worked on other, other weaknesses? Or did he continue to have that repetitive practice reaching the minimal intensity zone and duration required, which I think he does because every single time that he's in practice, he's making sure he's getting his three-point shooting in. He's continuously getting reps in. He's even taking it, he's even going past the intensity zone by shooting further and further and further away from the three-point line to challenge and make that even even that become a regular shot part of his arsenal. So that's a prime example. Even the best of the best understand this principle. Even if they don't know what it's called, they're doing it. So I know I spent, whoa, I spent a long time talking about this principle, but it's an important principle that I want you to implement, okay? So let's talk about ball control. Now that you have the foundation of making sure you th- you'd use this principle, ball control. So the very first step in ball control is making sure that your players can create an actual platform. Because ball control, you can control the ball in a bunch of different ways. One is with your hands, and two is with your platform. So make sure that you can create a platform, and that's really important. And however you teach your players how to create a platform, I teach my DVA members a certain way to help their athletes create platforms. But whatever way you teach them, make sure you teach them and make sure they know how to create a platform and they become normalized to that feeling. Because listen, coaches, creating a platform is uncomfortable. It's not a normal thing your body does. You know, shooting a basketball... Your body doesn't really endure a lot of weird, like weird pains or un- uncomfortable feelings. Can't find the word. It's a word I'm thinking of. It's not coming to me. Or like in hockey, if you're shooting, a, you know, shooting, shooting a, a, a puck into the net. As you can see, my hockey terms are really bad. But if you're trying to shoot a puck into the net, that sh- that shot is not really awkward. It's kind of like it's kind of you know you, you can get the feel for it. But creating a platform is really awkward, especially when you have to elevate your shoulders and create it away from your body and turn your elbows in to create a more wider base and very, very strange. So 
Make sure you're working on the fundamentals of creating a platform and understanding what your sweet spot is, which is in between your wrist and your elbow on your forearm. That is your sweet spot. And that is where you want the ball to contact every single time. So it's important your players understand that and they know how to create one very efficiently on the fly, not even thinking about it. Okay. So let's talk about the different types of ball control because there are many. And understanding that there are many is, the, is, an, is an important step. And then training all of these are also important. So the very most, most common type of, of um, ball control is the free ball pass. And the free ball pass is when a ball is coming over the net and it's, an, it's not an attack. That's the best way. It's not an attack. It's any other ball that's coming over the net that's not an attack. That's why we call it a free ball because the ball is supposed to be easily handled where we can get it to our setter and run an offense. And there's two different ways of taking a free ball pass. You can take it with your forearm. Forearm pass is, you know, bumping it, as you call it. Or you can take it with your hands. So we have to make sure that when we're training our free ball pass, we're training the hands as well as training the platform. Got to do both. You can also get a free ball from the opposition in three different ways. You can get a free ball that comes over the net by another player volleying it over the net with two hands. You can get a free ball over the net with a forearm pass or a bump over the net. You could also get a free ball with a swing with the player's feet on the ground. So if your opposing team has their feet on the ground and they're contacting the ball above their head and swinging, you know, like a roll shot, if you will, that is also a free ball, okay? What is not a free ball is if they jump and swing. If they jump and swing, then we have to take that a little more seriously and we have to put up blockers because that is not a free ball. That is an attack. Okay. So recognizing the difference between a free ball and attack is important. How many times, coaches, have you seen your players peel off the net when they shouldn't have because the other team was actually attacking the ball? It happens. It happens to the best of us, but it's something we have to distinguish. Then we have off the blocker's hands, okay? And these ones, the off the blocker's hands can be tricky. Like it can be as simple as a block slows down the ball and it's an easy one where you can control it to your setter. Or sometimes you may have to move and, and chase the ball and get the ball back and play um, off the blocker's hands. But our ability to control the ball off the blocker's hands is important. The next one is out of system. So out of system is also important. Because in our game, you know, we don't always get the opportunity to get an easy ball back over the net so we can set it up, you know, set it to our setter and then our setter can run an offense. And a lot of times is the ball is going to be swung, it's going to be positioned in a place where we may have to chase and things like that. So out of system is a very, very uh, common thing that happens in our game. In fact, many high-level teams will argue that the team that wins the most out of system balls wins the match. And I, I get it. I've seen it. So for those of you that don't know what out of system is, let me just differentiate between the in system and out of system. An in system ball is when the ball is passed to the setter and the setter has all of their hitting options available to them. So the setter has all four hitting options. An out of system ball is normally a ball that's dug where we don't have all four hitting options. We probably just have either a left side attacker or an opposite attacker. And that's probably it. You know, we have the ball is dug to the back court or to the middle of the court, and we have to set the ball nice and high so our hitters can, you know, have an opportunity to score. So 
The thing with the ADA system and why it's fallen under ball control is because after the dig, the second contact becomes extremely important. And sometimes the setter isn't always the one to get that second contact. Do the rest of your players have the ability to get behind that ball and put it in a great location so the hitters can hit the ball? And every player on your team needs to be able to do this because it's going to be, yes, I mean, at the higher level, we have, excuse me, the setter that's going to set most of the balls. Then we have the libero that's going to set the other balls. But what if the libero digs and the setter's coming down from a block and can't get to it in time? Well, it's all hands on deck. It's anybody in the back court or maybe even the front court. Everyone has to be able to put a secondary ball to a hitter. It is must. Okay, it's a must. Then in addition to just regular ball control in terms of passing and you know setting our offense up, ball control also falls on the line of swinging. So do we have the ability to control the ball above our head swinging? Can we swing and put the ball where we want it to go? Now, I'm not talking about attacking necessarily. I'm talking about if you're on the ground or even if you do jump, can you put the ball into an area using your hands? using your wrist manipulation and things like that. Can you volley and put the ball into certain locations? Can you forearm pass or forearm bump with your platform and put the ball over the net in a certain location or in a certain location on your side of the court if it's a second contact? These are all the different types of balls that we have to be able to play. In addition, we have to be able to play all of these many of these type of balls that are coming over the net when they're being sent over the net from all six different positions on the court. You know, a, a free ball coming over from five is a lot different than a free ball coming over from two. You know, they may be different in terms of the trajectory along the net, the way we read it, all that stuff. So it's important that we practice. It's really important that we practice all of these different types of shots, which leads me to my next point. And this is probably the most important point when it comes to working free ball passing. And that is, are your players getting intentional reps? And I want to paint the picture for you when I say that. So when I do ball control drills, or when I see teams do ball control drills, the goal is repetition. Remember, repetition is the mother of all skills. The goal is repetition, repetition, repetition. And I don't disagree with that. However, when your athletes are going through these reps, are they doing it with intention? Now, here's what that means. When the ball comes over the court, do they have, are they being intentional about getting that ball to their sweet spot on their platform, elevating their, excuse me, elevating their shoulders, creating separation from their body and their platform and angling perfectly to their target. Is that something that they're being intentional about? Because you know what I see a lot of times is I see the ball come over and because we're having so many reps, 20, 30, 40, 50 reps, even more, not every rep is intentional. You may have one great rep followed by one, ah, just kind of half doing it, just getting the ball to the spot, but not really elevating, elevating my shoulders, just swinging with my arms and letting, you know, letting my arms do the work, but not really dialing into the intentional rep. And this is a common mistake because guess what? 
in a real game situation, those bad habits find their way of making themselves present when it really matters. And we don't want that. How many times have a ball come over the court coaches? Ball has come over the net. And you're like, oh, great. And all of a sudden, that player messed up that free ball pass. It didn't go to, it didn't go to where they wanted it to go. Or, you know, it was, it was passed to the direction of the setter, but the setter still had to come off the net to the attack line and set the ball. Well, that's not good. That is not great free ball passing. And then I want you to ask yourself, well, is that player being intentional during practice when we're doing the reps? And understanding that is important. And that will change your philosophy. That will change the way you look at reps at practice. It changed the way I look at reps at practice when I understood the difference between a rep and an intentional rep. Big difference. An intentional rep is every rep matters. Even like passing drills. You know, when you do a passing drill, your passers are going to get tons of balls. And sometimes they'll just, ah, let that ball fall. I'll get the next one. Oh, the ball hit the tape. And it trickled over the net. Ah, oh, it's okay. I'll get the next one. And there's no, there's no accountability. There's no sense of urgency to read that ball, seeing it short, and going for it instead of just, that's just practice. Just practice. It's just another rep until that ball trickles over the net in a game, and you're like, oh well, it's not just a rep anymore. I was slow to get to it. And why were you slow to get to it? Because I I was training myself to be slow to get to it because I wasn't doing it in practice. So. Spent a little bit of time on that point too, but coaches, if you take anything away from today, this is a big point, and that's an intentional rep, okay? Um, another thing that's important is knowing court responsibility. Do your players know where they're supposed to be on the court? Does your backcourt know relative to their front court? Because I'll tell you, free ball passing, if a free ball comes over, it looks a lot different when the setter is back row versus when the setter is front row. How are you setting up your rotation or how are you setting up your transition when that happens? Is your team identifying whether the free, whether it's a free ball or if it's an attack? Are they doing that correctly? All right. So these are things that I want you to take back with you and understand. And let's just recap real quickly. So we have the adaptation principle, which I spent some time talking about. It's important. Yes, repetitive practice induces that adaption of the skill. However, we have to make sure that it reaches a minimal intensity zone and a minimum duration. So it's not great just to practice the first three weeks of season and then forget about the drill because like we mentioned earlier, your, your stimulus, okay, your body is gonna be is gonna reflect that. And that's just that's just how it is. So remember, <clears throat> all adaptations to training have a temporary effect. They decrease as soon as the stimulus is too weak or if it, if it is applied at an insufficient frequency. And that's important to understand. <clears throat> so no insufficient frequency. Do it frequently. All right, you want to make sure we're mastering the skill. All right, we talked about all the different types of ball controls. You know, free ball pass, both hands and forearm. Free ball coming over the net from either a volley, a swing, or a forearm uh, bump off the blocker's hands, out of system. Also being able to do a controlled swing, a controlled volley, a controlled bump over the net to a location where you want it to go, as well as you know being a secondary setter. Everyone's got to do that. We talked about this, the, the fact that we want to have intentional reps. Intentional, intentional reps. And why we talked about why that's important. 
And then identifying, you know, free ball versus attack and then knowing court responsibility. You know, do you guys understand what transition looks like when the setter's back row versus when the setter's front row? Do you understand where you need to be relative to these free balls when you're playing, you know, out of the back row, out of the front row? Okay, all of these things matter, okay? So there are some tangible things you can take back to your gym and apply right away. I guarantee you're going to start looking at your, when you're doing your skill development or skill drills, I guarantee you're going to start looking at it differently now and looking at the intentional reps and seeing how much intention your players are actually executing during a drill. And I hope that can help you fast track your player development and your skills because I guarantee you it will. All right. For those of you that are in DVA, like I mentioned, there's an entire live training where I go deeper into this. I show you some drills you can use as well as some other things that has helped me skyrocket my player development. If you are not a DVA member and you'd like to be, head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. I'd love to see you inside DVA where you're going to get access to this along with a ton of other trainings and all the things I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. And that is it for me. I will see you next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.